morning. How you doing? Ready for the Word of God? Let me pray before we go into the Word. Father, I thank you so much for your love. Lord, for each and every one of us, there is without question something inside of us that pursues to be loved. We all want to be loved. We face many obstacles, Lord, in life that, in a sense, Lord, become a block to what you offer. But Jesus, you are the one that said, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And those that are weary could come unto you, Lord, if they're heavy laden, and they will find rest. So, Father, this morning, I ask that as I share your word, that we would all gain a greater understanding, a deeper understanding, Father, of your love. God, your love towards us. Lord, how your love is meant to be formed in us, and then also, Father, how we can share that love. Lord, over the next few weeks, I pray that as we look deeper into the subject of love, uh, particularly, God, your love towards mankind, that, Father, our hearts would be open, our minds would be renewed, and, Lord, our lives would be changed. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, listen, there is nothing like the love of God. Nothing like experiencing God's love manifest to you. Now, I've often talked about the word manifest, and I like to go back to the Old Testament. Many of you already know this that are members of Gateway, but for those of you who aren't, it'll be your first time. For those of you who are, it's a great reminder, and we need to be reminded, amen, of how God manifests his word in our life. And so, uh, Old Testament, uh, the children of Israel, they're out in the middle of the wilderness. They have nothing to eat. And uh, they begin to complain and murmur and moan and groan. And, and Moses, of course, prays to God. And next thing you know, God is sending uh, something called manna. Say manna. And so it's the bread of heaven basically begins to just kind of, you know, float and appear, you know, out, uh, you know, on the ground. And they would see it. And it was this light, flaky um, bread is what it was. But the word manna, say manna which we get the word manifest from, uh, actually begins with this. So manna means, what is it? So they saw it out there, and they're like, what is it? Manna. It's manna. What is it? And then somebody tasted it, and it was like, this is really, really good. And that's what God's word is like. It's the best bread you could ever have. You know, the Bible calls Jesus the living bread. Did you know that? And then when we actually begin to partake of all that Jesus is, what happens is, is we are partaking of something where our, our first response tends to be, what is it? It's not something natural, it's something supernatural. They had bread that came down, bread that manifested on the ground. Something that wasn't, now is. Something that we didn't have with Christ when we, when we have faith toward what he did in, in our lives, what happens is, is the love of God all of a sudden fills our hearts. God is love is what the Bible says. We're going to read that this morning. God is love. And what happens is, is when we taste and we see that the Lord is good, it's because we've come into relationship with Christ. And while we may lack an understanding of how it all works, the thing is, is we know it's real and it tastes really good. There's nothing quite like God's love in our life, amen? And so what I want to talk about this morning specifically in our new series called the I Heart Series, I Heart God, I Love God series is I want to talk about the unabated love, unabated love. Unabated means this, continuing at full strength or force without becoming weaker, Continuing at full strength or force without becoming weaker. That God's love through his son was manifest to us when he came to the earth, died on the cross, performed all that God sent him to do. It was about bringing us life, an abundant life, a life that is full of God's love. A love that is unabated. Nothing can stand in the way of God's love in our life. And why have so many people that we uh, meet, why is it that they don't understand or have the love of God working in their life if nothing stands in the way of it? It simply needs to be accepted. 
that when, when people actually finally get to hear about God's love and they get to, to see that for the first time for themselves, look, until somebody shared it with me, and by the way, it was shared with me from a little child all the way up, being drugged to church by my, my grandma and grandpa, I heard about Jesus, and you know, I'm hearing about Jesus, and I'm hearing about Jesus, and you know what? I heard about God's judgments, and I heard about, you know, you got to be baptized in water. I heard all the things that I had to do. The challenge was that even though in the little nursery rhymes and the little songs that Jesus loves me, this I know, yes, the Bible tells me so, right? For the Bible tells me so, right? Uh, you know, I, I heard all those things. It was as a child, and yes, I believed in Jesus as a child, but there's a point where my faith has to grow up, Amen. There's a point where it's not what someone else tells me, it's what I know for myself that God has manifested in my life by his love through Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget at 19 years old, after I'd left home and experienced such abuse in my life, and a lot of you already know this, but I'm going to share it again because it's my testimony and we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony is like, well, you should only share it once in your life. No, you should share it as much as possible because sooner or later it's going to fall on the ears of someone who needs to hear it so that their life can be changed just like yours has been by the love of God. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Let's do overcame. Overcame. Overcome. Say overcome. So overcome. Here, this is in my way and I overcome it. He's being disrespectful in the house of God. No, I'm not. I promise you, you will go home. The preacher stepped on the chairs and walked over them today. You will remember that. But the cool thing about remembering that is you'll remember the message that I spoke to you, that God has called you to overcome the obstacles in your life. And the way you overcome them is by the unabated love of God. And nothing can stand in the way of the love of God. It's like, well, I can, Pastor. Uh, you know, I can either accept it or deny it. You don't stand in the way of it, though. It's still there, and it still works. And you know what? It will be working on the day that you stand before the Lord. That's what people miss. See, when I grew up in church, and they're telling me all about, well, you know, there's a judgment day, and you get baptized in water, do all these checks, and if you check all these things off, you're good to go. You get in. No, there's only one way in, and that's through the Son. You can only come to the Father through the Son. And he says that he is the door. If you will, he is the gate. He's the one that we enter through. He's the shepherd to the fold. The Bible says he's the shepherd to the fold. And what does that mean? And no one comes in unless it's through that way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. On and on. We could go scripture after scripture after scripture. And Jesus makes it very clear. He is the only way to love. Let's read this passage out of 1 John here, and you'll see what I'm talking about. 1 John 4, 7 uh, through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Who, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested, say manifested, Toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world and that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Say purchase price. A propitiation for our sins. Purchase price. He paid the price we could not pay so that we could be restored to relationship with the Father. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, we're going to dissect this passage over the next few weeks. We're going to take a deeper look at what love is in a number of different ways. But when I think back on growing up as a kid, all those lessons were great. The thing is, is I didn't understand the love of God. Watch. So all the things I go through make me want to run away from home, leave home. Go, now, I wasn't a kid, so I was, 19, I was 18 when I left home, went in the military, and I, I, I get in the military, and I meet Angie. Most of you know this story, but I meet Angie, uh, meet her, you know, out dancing in a hip-hop club. Back then it was, you know, I think MC Hammer songs and stuff like that. 
And as the young people in the house laugh, or those who know what I'm talking about, <clears throat> and live there themselves. <laughs> but I met her. Two weeks later, we're engaged. The, the promise I made to God at nine years old because of the abuse that I was going to, and I ran back to a crickside, sitting on the crickside, throwing rocks in the water, talking to God as a little kid. Why? Because I knew all the little stories growing up as a child in Sunday school. And I'm calling out to God and I'm saying, if you'll give me a wife who will love me and never leave me through anything, I'll give you my life. But there was only one way. There was only one way for God's promise to come to full fruition. He gave me the wife. He gave me the woman. The thing was, now is the promise I made to God. Do you know that all of us at some time or another are in a pickle, we're in a challenge, we've got something in front of us we need to overcome Something that we need the love of God to break through, the unabated love of God to break through and bring us across or bring us through or bring us over to the promise that we made, the promise that he made for those to connect. How many of you made promises to God? I mean, some of you, it was when you were drunk, hanging over a toilet bowl. God, I'll never do it again if you just get me out. <laughs> I did that one a couple times too. All I know is... Uh, those promises, God's love has a way to meet you in your moment, to find you wherever you are, and to lead you back to him, to let you taste of his goodness, of his love, so that you never want to leave again. Hmm. So at 19, when God spoke my name and said, I've given you the woman that you asked for, time for you now to give me your life it's like wait a minute God right no I bawled like a baby and I gave my life to Jesus as an adult I made that decision it wasn't someone else deciding for me it wasn't the nursery rhyme it was a conscious decision that to get to that bread and we're going to learn more about this next week to get to that bread I will follow through on the promise I made to God to yield to him if you're writing your notes write down yield next week we're going to look at it a little bit deeper of what it means to yield it's like does anything stand in the way of god no if you don't yield to god there's a day you'll stand before the judgment seat of god and his love rather than his love saving you his love will judge you come on now y'all hear more it's like well god's mean no god's not mean god god sent his son to rescue us to offer his love but the same love, if, if we don't accept that love and allow it to transform our life, that same love will stand before us. Did we just read that God is love? Is God the ultimate judge? Is there a judgment seat called the judgment seat of Christ? And is there a day that we'll stand before that and give an account of this life that he has given us stewardship? By the way, it's been given to us by him, right? Right? And in that, we've been given a, a life to steward over. When we steward over that the way that he designed it to be, it's all the life that God ever intended us to have. And so much more than we could ever. Look, God will do exceedingly. Say this with me. God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask, hope, or even think. God's thoughts for your life is bigger than you can even, you can't even imagine how God thinks about you. And the reason God thinks that way about us is this, because he loves us. And more than that, his love for us is, is simply connected to the fact that God is love. He can't betray himself. He can't go uh, any direction except for who he is, his characteristics, all that God is, is manifest and reflects through this attitude or these characteristics of love. So, so what do they look like? I want to kind of draw us into this a little bit today on five facts about God's unabated love. Now, before I go there, I want to say this. There's probably a whole lot of other facts that you could find in the Word of God that, like, well, did you know this about the Word of God and that about the Word of, Word of God and the love of God and so on? Sure. But let's just focus on five things. I, let me give you a hundred yeah, no, right? You want to go eat sometime today, right? 
So we're going to focus on five things that you could walk out of here and understand about the love of God, the characteristics of his love, and apply to your life. Because the Bible tells us that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So five facts. God, God's unabated love is, number one, unbreakable. His unabated love is unbreakable. See, law versus grace, flesh working this flesh working God in us versus God working man out of himself. Let, let's do it this way. That, that, that in the law, you do this and I'll do this. Right? You do and I'll do. That, that covenant, right, fell short. God himself said that that was a weak covenant because of the flesh. So what happens? He sends his son... And he says, I'll do this so that you can. I'll do this so that you can. And how? By the manifestation of my love for you. God's righteous requirement of the law is not wrong. Jesus comes along and he says, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So in fulfilling the law, it was God, human form, Emmanuel with us, right? Come on, say amen in the house if you know that's true. So God with us, Emmanuel, he manifests himself in flesh to fulfill the law, to condemn sin, that through love he makes it possible for us to live like Christ. That's better than you're letting on. See, we have to understand the law and that righteous requirement. To fully comprehend God's love for us, that it is unbreakable. It's like, what if I break one of the laws? What if I break one of the Ten Commandments? Do you know that Paul was a murderer? Paul the Apostle. You all know who I'm talking about, Paul the Apostle? He was a murderer, and do you know Jesus comes along, appears to him, and saves his soul? Paul sees himself, he, he refers to himself as the chief among sinners. Why? He reflects upon all that he had done. That while he didn't deserve God's love, God manifested love in Paul's life. And Paul became a lover of souls, so much so. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He delivers so many messages that, that come down through generation to generation so that we might understand the love of God. He was a, a, a if you will, a scholar, a master of the law. And yet, the Bible says that he counted all of that as dung. Say doo-doo. <laughs> that, that, uh, that King James version word, dung, you know, is our uh, modern-day term, doo-doo. <laughs> he counted everything he knew and all his education of the law and all the righteousness that he could attain, that it was as doo-doo compared to knowing the love of Christ. Do you realize that? The law versus God's love at work. And what does God's love do when we give it place, when we yield to it? God's love comes and begins to perfect us. See, me trying is not the same as God working in me. The thing is, is if I yield, there is no obstacle. If I don't yield, there's still no obstacle to God's love because it'll meet me in heaven one day. If I don't yield to his love now, one day's love will say, all that I did for you and you rejected it. You see in that. So wouldn't you rather respond to it now and let his love work in you? Amen? All of us would. So it's unbreakable. Listen to what Romans 8.38 says through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I would say that's pretty unbreakable. Nothing can break the unabated love of God. The second thing is it's unending. It's unending. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, the law has never been something that drew me to God. It drew me to Christ. 
<laughs> listen, listen, listen. God is love, and his love was manifested through his son. The law's relationship with Jesus is this, where we're concerned. Come here, Angela. The Bible says the law is the schoolmaster. Anybody know what a schoolmaster is? Now, that's an old term as well. Anybody know what a, a ruler is, right? Anybody ever watch those movies where a schoolmaster, you know, smack your hand? If you know. Point being is schoolmasters, right, there's a lot of discipline that's involved where a schoolmaster is concerned. Let's just say the principal. You do something you're not supposed to in the class, who do you go see? And back in my day, just let me tell you right now, the principal was definitely a schoolmaster. If you weren't doing the right thing, because I could remember, right, it's the, the paddle with the holes drilled in it. You saw that sucker, and you're like, I don't want to go there. And there was one guy that, that I grew up with in school. He was always going there. And we could hear him scream all over the school. And we thanked him for it. Thank you so much for letting me know that I do not want to go there. I won't say his name. <laughs> you never know when the video gets out and I get a phone call. And where am I going with that? Hmm. The law is not attractive to us, is it? There's something about the law that's like, I, I, I'm afraid of it. I'm, I, I, I know I can't keep up with all of it. I'll never be able to do everything that it requires of me. Therefore, when I read it, the thing it, it really shows me as well is that there's only punishment on the other side of not keeping it. That, that's why it was weak. Unabated. No weakness. Remember the definition? I said, go back to that definition, please. Continuing at full strength or force without becoming weaker. When I go to the law, what happens is, is it shows me the weakness of my flesh. Come on. And therefore, it's like the law has a way of, I want to draw back from the law. Why? Because on the other side of that, it seems like there's punishment. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, right? Because there's a certain, what? Judgment, a fiery indignation. When we read those passages, we're thinking, wow, man, I don't measure up. And is that what's there for me? No, and here's why. Because in the New Testament, with the work that Jesus did, because of his love for us, here's what happens with the law all of a sudden. The law is transformed by Christ's fulfillment. I didn't say changed. It's transformed. See, there's a, there's a, a wonderful scripture in the book of Acts. It talks about Jesus, this, this Jesus whom you crucified, right? There's a point where it talks about him being the chief cornerstone. What it's referring to, if you understand a cornerstone, is a cornerstone connects two walls. The, the wall of the law and the wall of grace. Christ comes and connects that. He basically fulfills it and he establishes it together. And now the law has a different purpose. And in the New Testament, the Bible says that the law is the schoolmaster. Stand up, Jeremiah. You get to be Jesus today. <laughs> The law is the schoolmaster, the Bible says, that leads us to Christ. How does it lead us to Christ? Somebody tell me. Let me engage you a little bit. How does the law lead us to Christ? By showing us our need for the Savior. We see how far short we fall. And then we read passages that say that Jesus fulfilled the law. And he came in fulfilling the law and made a way for us to come to the Father. And it's through grace. The Bible says it's by grace you've been saved, lest any man should boast. What's that mean? It's like, look at what I've done. I kept all these laws. Well, then why did Jesus die on the cross? See, to talk about how good I've done would be to make a mockery of the cross. Well, we don't need the cross if I can do good. Reality is I can never do good enough. I will never measure up to all that God is. I will never measure up. You guys can sit down. Thank you. I will never measure up to the standard of God's love through my works. Angie, have I ever failed you? Well, you said that awful. <laughs> Kurt, yes. You think Angie's ever failed me? 
think my kids have ever failed me? Think I've ever failed them? I'm sure you guys can apply that in your own life. That we all fall short. So what causes us to measure up then? Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And the reason that that is possible is because his love is unending. We struggle to comprehend something with no end. Does anybody understand something with no end? Who's married in here? Hold your wedding ring up. Right? It's on there. <laughs> Is there an end? Is there an end? It keeps going and going and going, right? That's eternity. That's the eternal God. That's the way his love is. It's like he gets to this spot in you that needs to be fixed. Here's the the way it works. He comes to it. uh, You ever got a burr on your ring? What can be done with that? Huh? Anybody ever break their ring? Can certainly be mended, right? Jesus is the material that always fills the gap for you. His love, he is love, was manifested for us so that we have an eternal relationship with the Father, an unending relationship with the Father. And no matter what obstacle, quote-unquote, comes in the midst of that, the thing is, is his love can overcome it if you yield to it. Amen? So it's unending. Number three, it's unselfish. It's unselfish. 1 John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Again, we can't take credit for God's love working in our life. Why? Because it started with him. <laughs> kind of going back to my story, growing up, going through all the abuse and everything, I was searching for love so much, the void that was in me, desiring to be loved. And at 19, when I meet Angie, all of that takes place. God's connecting a 9-year-old prayer with a 19-year-old who's engaged to be married to a woman that he asked for when he was 9. And through that, all of a sudden, I'm sitting in a church service and the pastor's talking about the love of the Father love of the Son, and how it draws us to the Father. And I hear that message of love, and here's the thing. I'd heard the rules. I'd heard the law. I knew I needed to be baptized. I knew I'd, I don't smoke. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't, I don't, I don't have sex. I don't, you know, right? Who, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? All the don'ts? <laughs> well, why don't we talk about the do? The do is open your heart. And let Christ come in. See, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ as Lord, you shall be saved. And see, and that sets you on a road of a love relationship that draws you closer and closer to the Father. And when you see the law, all you see the law is, is a schoolmaster that's leading you back to Jesus. A schoolmaster that's leading you back to Jesus. I don't measure up, yes, but Jesus does. I don't measure up, but yes, Jesus does. I don't measure up in this, I fell short here. I did that, I did this, Right? but Jesus didn't. Y'all with me today? You guys are serious. I mean, I need to tell some jokes. I'll tell you a couple jokes if you'd like. <laughs> How many of you know love is a serious matter? It's a joyful matter, but it's a serious matter. When I'm out and about in my week, the thing is, uh, I see a whole lot of people that don't know the love of God. And while I'm joyful about the love of a God working in my life, my heart breaks for people who don't know the love of the Father. Because the moment that came into my life, it healed my heart. It set me on this road of an unending love, and I know it's unending. And the coolest thing about it, it's I've talked about it before. It's like I've been able to love my wife and love my children. Now I'm, that circle just keeps going, and now... Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I love my kids, but they just don't even compare to Elijah right now and Judah's coming. And I just, I'm, if you watch me on Facebook, people are like, you couldn't tell you love him watching me on Facebook. I'm in love with that little boy. When I'm with him, you know, and I get those moments and like I did my kids. And what I'm doing is I'm whispering in his ear, Jesus loves you. Your heavenly father loves you. Your mom and daddy love Jesus and they love you. And you're going to follow God in your life and you're going to know him and you're going to have eternal life. And I'm speaking these things 
into him. It's like, well, he doesn't understand. He may not understand here, but I promise you his heart. Look, what do you have to become like to inherit the kingdom of God anyway? A child. So when do you start depositing the love of God into the lives of those around you? Children. That's where we've lost the battle, saints. We've deposited so much else in our society that the people don't know the love of Christ. And it's the churches, and I want to say this you know, very clearly, it's our responsibility to share the love of Christ. More than we share the, the do's and don'ts, like you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. To be honest with you, we should share the love of Christ and let Jesus handle the rest of it. Because I trust me this, if he came to fulfill the law, and watch, say, say law, say Torah, say word, say Derek. <laughs> you wonder, why did he say that? D-E-R-E-K actually means path or way of God, which is interchangeable for Torah, word. When we get right down to it, in the beginning was, I'm going to make you say this with me, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Now I want you to say this, God is love. So when you read the word, even when you read the law, it's not, a, it's not God manifesting something different than love. This is what love looks like. The, the characteristics of God's love are so important to understand. He is perfect. And is there any greater love than a perfect God coming after an imperfect people to make us perfect? And I often say this. People get frustrated with the church for a couple reasons. One of the major reasons is you talk about a perfect God. You're preaching the perfect message that someone loved them so much that didn't deserve to die and gave their life for them, Jesus. And then they see all the people in the church and, you know, how messed up we are, and they're thinking, can that even be true? Yes, it is. Well, the church is full of hypocrites. How many of you in here are a hypocrite? It's like, I ain't raising my hand. How many of you in here sinned after you got saved? How many in here are hypocrites? <laughs> now you understand the difference. A hypocrite is a person that you know, chooses not to do the right thing when they know better. How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> All of a sudden, we start to see the definition fits, right? So how beautiful is the love of God? Hmm. How unbreakable, how unending how unselfish is the love of God when that is the case? See, that's the problem. The world is looking at the people, and yes, we should be a testimony. But the whole point is, is that we point the way to the one who is love. We point the way. It's like, yeah, but you messed up here and you messed up there. Yeah, I did, and I am so thankful that God is love. And that it's, what? Unbreakable. It's unending, and it's unselfish. Because when people judge one another, guess what they're doing that out of? Selfishness. <laughs> Number four, unmerited. Unmerited. Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking. He says, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing there's that yielding that I'm talking about. Here's Jesus and what, he, what he's doing. These are the people, and he already knows that they are going to crucify him. How many of you would say, look, Jesus went to the cross in obedience? Amen? Give me an amen if you know that's true. Okay. He went to the cross out of obedience. The Bible says that he learned obedience by the thing which he suffered. Now, how many of you know he didn't necessarily in his flesh, he didn't want to go to the cross. You know what the proof of that is? The Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> if, the, if there's any other way, let this one pass. Let this cup pass. I'll drink any other cup you want, Lord, but let this bad boy pass by me. I mean, he's stressed out, sweating blood, stressed out. He knew these people were going to crucify him, and his cry of compassion for them is, how long I've wanted to gather you, how long I wanted to protect you, you were unwilling. You were unyielding. I would submit to you that in our walk with Christ, 
How often are we unyielding, unwilling to let him care for us with his love because, hey, I got this, God, right? And then we find ourselves doing the very thing, right? Watch, we're trying to keep the check. I'll do this right, and I'll, I may mess up here, and I'll do, and I'll do, and I'll do, and I'll do. I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to live a righteous life. I'm just saying to you we're always going to fall short of all that he is. And the greatest way we can find ourselves living in the love of Christ is to be yielded to him. When we read his word, when we read things like this, is he a respecter of persons? Does he respect them more than he respects us? The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What he wanted to do for them, he wants to do for us. Now, the whole picture you get there, anybody ever seen chickens? I grew up on a farm, so I got to see a lot of them bad boys, right? And I chopped their heads off, and we plucked their feathers, and we ate them. Now, God's not going to do that to you, just so you know. But it was, it was interesting. You get rain coming or whatever, and a mama hen around those little chicks, she'd fan her feathers out, and she'd cover them from rain, protect them, the wind, the rain. And keep them in there. And you get a big enough wind, one of them little fur, you know, yellow fur balls, <laughs> they ain't sticking around. But when Mama Hen you know, wraps those feathers around, she's protecting. God wants to protect us that way. How many of you face storms in your life that you just try and drudge through or go it alone? And yet God's love, he wants to manifest his love to you by taking care of you. So understand it's not something you earn from him. It's unmerited. He just wants to do that for you. There's no better prayer. I want you to, you guys want to know the greatest prayer you can ever pray? Do you or not? Yes. You want to know the greatest prayer you can ever pray? Yes. Ready? I want you to repeat this after me. Help, God! <laughs> now, it's funny, right? How many of you got children? Give me a loud amen if you got kids in here. How many of you have heard your kids help, or if you will, a cry that is for help. They may not have said help, but you knew they needed help. How many of you have had your kids do that before? How many of you just like, you know, kick back like, well, I hope they make it out of that situation? <laughs> Anybody? No. Immediately. Talk about the time I was with Vanessa. She was at, uh, this is when we were back in Ohio, and <laughs> little booger. She was our little sugar jar kid. Climb up on the counter and dip her finger in the sugar and eat sugar. We'd catch her. I'd watch around the corner. When I left the room, I just knew she was going straight in there. And I'd watch her just <laughs> climb up on the counter. The little finger going like crazy. Well, she was in there one day and she decided to climb up on that counter. And we had the, the, the handles for the doors were these pointy style. They had the two bolts that bolt through the cabinet door, and it had a point on the top and a point on the bottom. And she climbed up on the counter, and coming down, her little shorts caught that, the top of that. And then it jammed right up under her ridge cage, rib cage and, and basically stabbed her right there. And I'm in my office just, uh, I was reading the Bible actually, and and I'm in there reading, and, and I hear this, and I'm not going to scream like it because it'd break your eardrums. <laughs> but she, just this blood-curdling scream, just, I'm like, <laughs> paralyzed me for a second, right? It was that scary. And all I know is, like a shot, I come flying out of that room, and there she is all hung up on that. And I pick her up, and I raise her shirt. And, I mean, I'm like, oh, that's not good. I mean, stitch is bad, right? And... um Angie was away. We only had one car at the time. And I'm in there, and I'm trying to get a hold of her, you know, before cell phones. And, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, so, so I'm in there with her, and I'm holding her. Angie gets home. We go to the hospital. And, and it's just one of those things to where you just, nothing was going to stand in the way of me getting my child help. Now, the Bible talks about us being earthly fathers, know how to give our children good gifts. and we care for our children. That if we being earthly fathers can do that, how much more your heavenly father? I want to ask you today, when you reflect on this right here, unmerited, did my daughter have to, you know, apologize to me for climbing up and eating out of the sugar bowl for me to help her? Do you honestly think that 
when you've fallen short that it's like, well, I've got I to gotta make everything right, and then God, he'll care about me. But how many of us do that? I would submit to you that at times in your life, you do that. You think you've got to do something to earn his love, to get him to respond to you, and that is not true. All you got to do is yield. When I grabbed her, she didn't fight me to get her off of that. Come on now. No, I want to hang here a little bit longer. Come on, sometimes we just hang in our pain. It's okay, God, I know I did something wrong, and you shouldn't help me because I don't deserve to be helped. Not one time did Vanessa go, Daddy, don't help me. I was so bad. I know I'm not supposed to be in that sugar jar. And you're no different than my daughter. None of us are any different than my daughter, even though she was a little kid and she's in her sugar jar. It's always the sugar jar that gets you in trouble. It's something sweet. The Bible says sin is fun for a season, but afterwards it yields death. That sugar was a blast. But when she slid off the counter and hit that thing that pierced her, it wasn't fun anymore. We're let off by things that seem sweet. The devil knows how to package it, how to present it, and all of a sudden the pain comes. And I want to tell you, I've seen so many people live in condemnation because they fall short. Jesus came and died on the cross knowing you would fall short. But the only way that you ever get to the place of being more like him is to simply yield and allow his unmerited Listen, say unabated. Nothing you do can stand in the way of God's love for you and his desire to rescue you and help you in your life. Hmm. Number five. I know some people needed to hear that last one. I mean, you need to hear all of them. Probably the greatest challenge being a pastor is when I sit with people that just can't seem to understand that God does not need you to earn anything for him to respond to you out of love. And they remain captive to those things, those thoughts that keep them in this condemnation. And they don't get to experience God's love because believe it or not, accepting condemnation rather than simply being convicted and repenting, what that does is it says, I got to earn my way into heaven. I got to earn my way into God's love. And that is so far from the truth. It's as far as the east is from the west. You know what that is? You stay in condemnation and it just keep coming. You be in this circle and it's like a merry go round you can never get off of. Can I say this to you? Get off the merry go round. Stop riding that thing round and round and round. You know there's something in your life like it shouldn't be. Then you know what? Say, God, I repent. I yield. What's repentance? You're simply yielding to his way and saying, God, I repent, and I ask for you just to manifest your love in my life. Let me comprehend with my heart and my mind how much you love me because he'll do it. Number five, unchanging. His love's unchanging. (laughs) Because it's unchanging, it is unabated. It can't be stopped because it doesn't change. It's not like tomorrow it's going to be this and yesterday it's that. and It's not moving all over the place. He's a rock that does not move. You can trust it that it's going to be there the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Amen? So no matter how far you go, how confused about life you may feel, or how overlooked you think you are, God's unconditional love is awaiting your acknowledgement. It's simply awaiting your acknowledgement. Micah 7, 18 through 19 it says this, Who is a God like you? Pardoning pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. See, God doesn't delight in anger. He delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. Look at that right there. He'll subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And the book of Revelation talks about uh, the sea of forgetfulness. God casts that into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember it anymore. When you repent, God basically casts it away. This is, 
he sets it up to where not even himself, even though he's all-knowing, he sets it up to where when he casts that away, he doesn't recall it. And God can do that. We struggle to forgive something and let it go. Kind of, oh, I remember when that happened. But God set it up so that he will not. Say will not. He will not. God wills not to recall it. There's a pattern in that, that when God puts these scriptures in there, he says, I will not to recall that and bring those iniquities back, but rather to forgive them and to forget them. Now, I want you to say this, I will, and I'll say to you whatever you want to do. We've been created in his image, and he has empowered us by the love of Christ manifest in our heart that if we look at a situation in our life, you know what we're able to do? We can will it gone. Well, I remember it, but how do you remember it? See, I don't remember what I went through as a child the same way as I did when I was a child and I was offended and I was hurt and broken. I remember it now as something that might have happened for evil, but God has turned for good in my life and I will use it to help others be free themselves. Come on now. That's the word of our testimony because of the blood of the Lamb. So, as I close today, I want to Write these three things down. His love is supernatural, it is sacrificing, and it is satisfying. It's supernatural, it's sacrificing, and it is satisfying. Everything I just shared with you is not attainable by our own doing. It takes the grace of God. It takes the divine power of God to work that in our lives. So it's supernatural. And there is no question that God has sacrificed for all of us. When we come to the place of being willing to give up our way and accept his, we're sacrificing. We're following in the footsteps. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And it's, it's a daily thing. God, I don't, want to, I don't want my will. I want your will. And submitting that to him, yielding to him, allows his life, his divine nature. The Bible says that, that... that that this treasure is in these earthen vessels. Who he is lives on the inside of us. It's a treasure on the inside of an earthen vessel. What's that mean? A clay pot. And that all God's glory resides on the inside of me, looking to get out, but can it get through the mess that's on the outside? That takes me yielding to his way, his will, and letting him work in my life. Amen? So I want to do this as I, as I finish up today. I have a video that I saw this week, and I bawled my eyes out. And I thought, wow, with what I'm preaching, that really goes in line with the characteristics of God's love. To see other human beings manifest those characteristics, because what you're about to see is a, a, there was a young boy that was adopted. When you see the situation that he was adopted through, that he was taken on, and, and his situation, that it required the parents to realize that this was a commitment for the rest of their life, that he would be dependent on them. And that's the thing. Sometimes it's like, I'm, I need to grow up, and I need to, I need to make good decisions, and I need to... God never wants you to grow up beyond being dependent upon him. He doesn't want you not to be dependent upon him. He wants you to be dependent upon him the rest of your life. It's not like, well, I need to grow up as a believer and learn the word and, and do everything it says. Have we established that you're probably not going to be able to do that? So you need to be dependent on him. In this picture that you'll see of, of two people's, or a family's love for a child, and they knew they were signing on for the rest of his life. But it didn't mean there wasn't something they would receive from him in return. Some people would see it that way. When God loved us enough to give his son to die on the cross for us, he knew it was a commitment for all eternity. For our whole life here, in this fallen state, God knew we needed our Savior. Now watch. We love him, so he was unselfish. But it's not like God doesn't get something in return. I don't know a person that's ever realized how unselfish God was toward them. Who've accepted the love of Christ, then didn't with their whole heart. I, I just want to say this. The way God has loved me in my life, when I look back growing up and not really knowing what that looks like, and I meet God, and I'm like, I don't know how to love kids 
I don't know how to love a wife. I don't know how to live this out because I've not seen an example. I've seen an example of the opposite. And so even though that's my desire, there was also the fear, like, will I be able to do this? I wouldn't have. And God came in my life at the beginning of all of that that I promised him and desired. And as a result, began to teach me through his word. And as I yielded to him, you know what that yielding looked like? To love my wife and my kids, not getting my way all the time, right? Being forgiving, manifesting basically the characteristics that God shows us, the ones I just shared with you today, living that out. But I got to tell you, there was moments I didn't want to live it out and in times where I fell short of living it out. But God's grace came in and he made a way for all of that to continue to move forward, to perfect me in that and to make me better at it. This video probably is one of the greatest examples because I've raised my kids, and you know what? They're not as dependent on me, but I want them to know they can always come to me and be dependent. Does that, does that make sense? Um, but this one is a manifestation of the kind of love that God has for us. I would that all of us would see ourselves in that place of, in a sense, we're all handicapped. Sin puts us in a place of being handicapped. This flesh, fallen nature, is handicapped. But God's nature working in us, right, if we're dependent on him, you know what it does to that handicap? It turns it on its head because of love. Watch this video. For those that are in the room today, kind of feel like they are on a trash heap of life. I pray, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd reach down into their heart right now. That, Lord, they would sense your healing power. Lord, that you whisper to them the love that you have for them and give them hope. For those of us, Lord, that have people around us, Lord, that are hurting and in pain and we know it. God, let us be like this family. Let us see it. Lord, let us respond with the amazing Father not just a message the amazing manifestation of your love our story of unabated love in our life through you your story of unabated love coming into this earth to rescue mankind Lord I pray that the yokes on people's lives would be broken And those heavy burdens would be lifted. And that your love would manifest in all of our hearts in a greater way than we've ever known. So that we can share that love with those around us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Let's sing this song as we go today.